0: good afternoon. My name is Tori McNeil. I'm here with Kimberly LaFrance. Uh, we're here at the Brooklyn Public Library, Central Library. Today is February 8th, 2017. And uh, Kimberly's going to be doing the Let's Talk uh, 2016, Our Streets, Our Stories. So Kimberly, tell us about 2016.
1: 2016 Twenty Sixteen was a year of highlights for me. Um, it was a very difficult difficult year for me. I let me just say first of all that I am a home care nurse. I've been a registered nurse for the past nine years. And um, 2016 was when I saw I think my most difficult year in terms of um, employment um, in home care. And um, so I had worked um, I had I had worked in in Staten Island, um, in Brooklyn and also in Manhattan doing um, home care visits. And um, what had happened was that there were some changes in Medicare or Medicaid guidelines that made it very difficult for some companies to make profit off of, um, off of the visits offered and hence the reason why I had uh, a difficult year in 2016. I had been a nurse educator um, up until uh, January of 2016 and was just suddenly let go for my job uh, without knowing why. Uh, and that left me sort of like in a bind, um, not, not knowing uh, sort of where to go for employment and looking around for various avenues to, to make ends meet. So it was a difficult. It was a difficult time. I think in uh in healthcare, especially in uh, public health, in community health, in those types of settings, because of this restructuring of a lot of Medicare, Medicaid guidelines.
0: Um, what would you say uh, was something that pulled you through in twenty
1: sixteen? I I think. Um, one of the things that, that pulled me through was seeing how many of my clients um, had an understanding of, was starting to sort of build interest in what was happening in the whole healthcare area. Um, they were now starting to look at healthcare in the, in the United States particularly, and the way it was structured, um, and some of the, the faults some of the, um, some of the structures that existed and that no longer existed. So they started to look at some of these things and started to question, you know, what are we actually getting? what are we actually paying for? So there was this collective sense that something needs to be done that I think grew throughout 2016. and its still it's still prevalent. it's still present today, I think, um, people are starting to sort of take control a little bit more, take ownership for um, the core, some of the core things that we we should all have access to. One of these things is health, you know, another is education. And I mean, in the midst of this political, you know, um, social climate that we're, we're in now, it's a really, um, how should I say, it's a, a very um, uh, interesting time because there's a lot of um, public and social interest in those core values. So, um, But 2016 was definitely the time that really pushed, I think, a lot of Americans to really look at the structures that totally exist, especially in healthcare, and to question and to you know put more public pressure on um, the people at the top to, you know, answer questions about what was being delivered.
0: Can you talk about what growing up in Brooklyn was like?
1: Okay, thanks for asking that. Actually, I just have to admit that I did not grow up in Brooklyn directly. I did, as a child, with my father, with my family, um, travel to Brooklyn because we had a family, we had some family in Brooklyn already. So as a child growing up in St. Lucia, we would come and spend some summers with aunts and uncles here in Brooklyn. It was at an apartment in Kensington. So my, my aunt had moved to Kensington. She used to work for the New York Times then. Um, and we would visit her apartment every now and then. Um, but when, uh, when I moved, I, I saw uh, in, in St. Lucia, uh, where I'm from, um, the Economic conditions got very difficult, and I saw my family slowly begin to emigrate. So my, it was with my father who moved in with, with my aunt, who is his sister, and started working here, you know, starting to get employment. Um, then my, my sister and my brother slowly moved, they, they got like partial scholarships, so they came in as students. And then my my mother eventually had to leave. Um, commerce and finance in St. Lucia had gotten very bad. And she came up here to look for work as well. And then I and my, my younger sister were the last to leave. Um, so eventually we came up too to um, the U.S. Um, and I chose to come to Brooklyn. I had my aunt here. And she, you know, actually I came up with a... <laughs> An architecture degree, um, that's what, what what I had studied. But my aunt was like, you know what, architecture is not doing very well right now, and it may be better to go into a more stable industry. And she pointed me or she redirected me to nursing. And that's how I got into nursing in the first place. I ended up going to BMCC. I started off at, at one of the CUNY schools. Um, and I, it was, you know, CUNY had its own problems at the time, but I think. What I liked about CUNY was that there was uh, a lot of Caribbean people, but there was also a great international presence there already. And so I really liked that whole climate. So I I did um, my associate's degree in nursing at CUNY. um, And I was still in Brooklyn, living in in Brooklyn at the time, predominantly Kensington. Um, And I stayed in that apartment for, for years going to school while I worked at Kings County, I stayed there as well. Um, my aunt owned the apartment, and I you would pay her some monies to stay there. Um, I went to work at Kings County Medical Center. That was my first job as a nurse, and um, it was <laughs> wow. What could can I say? It was a it was. Uh, I would say it was growing pains. Um, <laughs> that first job at Kings County. Um, there were a lot of things happening there. We, there were a lot of nursing, there were nurses being mass hired. So there was a lot of new nurses and a lot of new faces. It seemed like they were getting a lot of new staff in at that point in time. But, um, however difficult, um, you know, however challenging it was working at Kings County, I think I got a really good knowledge and really strong knowledge base, um, in nursing from Kings County, um, after... I because I was on a because I was an international student at CUNY. I um I was only allowed to work at Kings County for um a year, maybe a little over a year. What happened was that I thought I would get visa sponsorship through Kings County, but that didn't go through. So I was forced to go back to school um, in order to maintain my student visa and not, um, not uh, you know, overstay my, 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 my visa. Um, so I went back to BMCC, I took some subjects, then I went to City Univers- uh, New York City College of Technology, which is also part of CUNY. They had a bachelor's degree, and what I really liked about them was that they were able to taking some of my subjects from my associate's degree in St. Lucia, so that was great. It, you know, It really helped me financially. And I, I really met some, I think some of the strongest mentors that I met were at um, the um, New York City College of Technology. I met, there was this woman from Wall Street who had many degrees, but she came back and she was really trying to, um, she was really trying to mentor the, the young nurses and let them know that you know the sky's the limit. Don't don't limit yourself to New York. You know, move around the U.S. I had some really strong um, female mentors there. There was a professor, professor, prof- professor Rafferty. I think she's now the chair actually, but she, you know, in, encouraged us to get involved in political action as well. She encouraged us to, you know, you know, sign. Um, petitions for fracking and whatnot and so we and, and to attend nursing day at, at um, Albany. So we uh, I got a really good I think I got really good mentorship, especially female nurses from from the um, New York City College of Technology which I really great I, I, I really liked. I also had I decided then to to do just something creative. So I did creative writing there and I met a professor who really encouraged me to 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 look into writing, to look into, you know, expression. So I did more poetry, creative stories. Um, She was also herself a writer, Professor Mushabak, and I actually published some, you know, some short pieces with her, got them published there. (laughs) <laughs> which is, so um, I have like a small play, a short play that's published in an anthology, America's Best Short Plays, um, and 2011 edition, I believe. So I really met a good group there that I think helps me to move to my next level, um, to not only look at nursing, but look at nursing in combination with creative work. And um, that really helped me. Um, it was also Professor Mushabak. Um, the creative writing instructor who um, told me to look at a different type of degree. So I was looking, I wanted to also pursue further studies, right, Um, and didn't know where to go. I, I kind of felt like I was lost, I belonged to this world, nursing, which is very clinical and scientific, and then there was also this part of me, the creative, the writerly, artistic part of me and uh, so she she told me about this degree at Columbia University called narrative medicine and so I applied and with her help as well got accepted into the narrative medicine program at Columbia University that's what I did my master's in Um, and there I think Columbia I mean it opened a lot of doors for me Um, helped me to really Understand myself, give me a, a, re, a really good grounding of self knowledge. Then I met so many other people there, writers, artists. I mean, that program was really, really very great. Um, the whole purpose of the program was to empower patients to tell their own stories um, and to own their own health, own their life. You know, it's about ownership and empowerment. And um, that was really great. So I, I I graduated from Columbia in um, middle of 2015. And then after leaving Columbia, um, I think what also made 2016 challenging was not only the existing um, um, problems in the job market, but that I had come out with a new philosophy, that I was no longer the same person. Like after doing the masters, in narrative medicine, I think that massive, it just shifted my whole focus. And so I wanted to be in a place where I could practice or, you know, the foundations of narrative medicine where now my philosophies would align with um, what I had learned <laughs> in narrative medicine. And what I also innately believed um, that there, that people should have some ownership over their health and their lives somewhat and that um health is a shared space um so i um i found it difficult after leaving narrative medicine i actually spoke about that just um the other day and going out into the world and finding um, organizations finding platforms where um i could also see health as shared spaces where um, the employees, clients, um, patients had some level of involvement and engagement with themselves, with the organizations, with their own health and environment. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So now going forward in 2017, uh, what is something that you're looking forward towards?
1: I'm looking forward to finding <laughs> that space, or even creating that space um, that would allow me to, to take narrative, I think take the new me, the me that graduated with my master's and, and move forward. And you know, I, I believe that there are spaces there. I, ju- I just haven't found them. And I'm um, you know, I, I actually did an interview today at an at organization which I think would be really great and it's moving in that direction. It's called EHE International. So we'll see you know what happens. I'm hopeful that um, something positive comes out of it and that um, that I, I, if I don't find those platforms that I am in a position to create them myself, I think I have the connections to do so, the resources are always an issue, but um, it's something that I can definitely look around and see what's there, just takes research and sometimes time. And patience, and patience, these things don't happen overnight. Um, The changes in healthcare um, did not happen overnight. And so I have to keep that in mind as well and keep hopeful that these changes will happen eventually, you know, um, and just to, you know, keep a hopeful, hopeful eye and keep looking for, yeah.
0: So um, just to wrap it up, um, if you could give your, your lo- some advice to the next upcoming generation, what advice would you give to them?
1: Ah... <sighs> That um, it's really it's really not an easy world. I it's not an easy world out there, um, but it's good to to take time, regardless of the challenges, to gain some sort of self knowledge, to know oneself, and uh, to get in touch with the things the core principles that make you you there are some things that you should not ever change for any organization for any person um because they form the core of who you are um so hold on to those core values know yourself and then um i think that forms a foundation that will really help you to move forward anywhere you go and hold your ground uh, no matter what philosophies are thrown your way no matter what work ethics are thrown your way because there's there's it's it's really a very competitive world especially in the united states you know where it's uh, a very capitalist society it's businesses people there's profits whenever there's a loss of profits it gets ugly <laughs> Um, so, uh, just know that and, you know, there will be hard times. Um, it's never easy and just hold, hold tight, hold fast to your values.
0: Thanks a lot, Ms. La- LaFonce. It was definitely a, an honor and a privilege speaking with you. Yeah. And thanks for speaking with the Brooklyn Public Library. Let's talk 2016, our streets, our stories.
1: Thank you.